Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. The following broadcast has been approved for Elite Hornets fans. What a block by Cody Zeller. Walker down the lane, drive, shoots, scores! Game over! Bringing back the buzz was only the beginning. We will not go quietly into the night. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. It's Hive Talk Live. Boom! Welcome in, Hornets fans. You are listening to Hive Talk Live on At The Hive Dot com. It's Hornets Talk for the Hardcore Fan, and we are live in the Gittimer.com studios in beautiful Uptown Charlotte. I'm Doug Branson. And I'm David Walker. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Hive Talk Live and visit us online at HiveTalkLive.com. That's right. We're live every Tuesday at 6 o'clock p.m. We're on our regular season schedule, even though we haven't gotten to the preseason yet. We've already started that regular season mindset here on Hive Talk Live. You can listen to us on HiveTalkLive.com. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher to listen to Hornets Talk anytime, anywhere. David, this is... um, I, I kind of apologize a little bit. I, I super stacked this show. That's cool. Are you, do you forgive me? I accept me? it. I accept your <laughs> apology. Right, we have two guests. Uh, first from at thehive.com. Austin Peters, he's going to uh, share with us some of these, I don't want to call them rumors, but just sort of insinuations about mm-hmm. Markeith Morris, the possibility that he could be on the move to some team, maybe the Hornets, who knows. We'll talk to him about that. We'll also talk to him about some of these fringe guys. Some of them have been signed, uh, non-guaranteed contracts. We're talking your Aaron Harrisons, your Washburns, a couple of guys signed uh, today, in fact, the, or the official announcement was made by the Hornets. So we'll talk about like which which one of these guys, or maybe multiple guys, we'll have to ask Austin, uh, are most likely to make this team, to make the Hornets roster uh, when the regular season gets started. Because training camp, by the way, two weeks away. In fact, we're 10 days away from NBA 2K, my favorite video game, of course. dropping. I mean... Basketball, look, I, you know, I know football is here, but basketball is coming. Did you watch the football? <laughs> I watched a little bit of the football. Yeah, I watched some of the football, too. I watched it late last night. But, yeah, the September 26th, training camp. I mean. That's great. October get 3rd. Get that in your head. First preseason game. It's away. But- it's insane. It's insane. And what, they're up to 18 players right now under contract? Got to get down to 15? Got to slim that line. And apparently 18, according to Rick Bonnell on Twitter, Rick mm-hmm. Bonnell, mm-hmm. Um, that's normal for Clifford, 18 players. I didn't know this. That's I thought a, That's 18. a Clifford thing? Well, just I think maybe Clifford, maybe the entire NBA. You get uh, it around 17, 18, who knows? Yeah, uh, but why not? Well, because there's multiple, I think, and we'll talk more with, with Austin coming up. By the way, our second guest, an old favorite of the show. He's not old, but he's an old favorite of the show. Roger Castillo from Sports Radio Detroit. When we play the Pistons, we bring this guy on because he knows his stuff. He'll talk to us. We're going to scout some teams that the Hornets will be directly competing with 
for a playoff spot. Now, we're not talking about Cleveland. We're not talking about the Bulls, these kind of playoff lock teams. Right. We're talking about teams that the Hornets are going to be dueling with. They're going to be in. They're going to be fighting it out. Pistons are going to be in the discussion. And I'll tell you what. I would think tell you you tell me if I'm wrong on this, but just taking the temperature of the league, which I like to do every once in a while. <laughs> Where do you take it? Uh, I just I stick, it my, stick my finger up in the air, <laughs> and uh, I mean, the Pistons feel like a sexier pick than the Hornets a lot of the times, and I think it's some of it's Stan Van. I mean, a lot of people like him, a lot of people like what they're doing, but they can be frisky. I, I don't know if I like their makeup as much as I do the Hornets, but I mean. You know, I guess you could take your pick at this point. It's just a lot of it depends on how it plays out. But a lot of people like what they're trying to do, at least get to a Stan Van type team. Well, look, the Pistons, the Wizards, the Hornets, all East teams that are trying to do something about their offense and trying to make their offense more modern, more stretch, more shooting, less throw it down into the post. And so I want to do the Wizards next, in fact. Because I think, again, there's a similarity between these three teams that will all be vying for the bottom half of the East, essentially. You're putting the Wizards in the bottom half. Well, yeah, in the bottom half of the playoff race. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like four through okay. five I would through put them. Eight. Yeah. You would put them four? I would put them closer to four than the Hornets and the Pistons. Okay. But but, but I'm saying they all How's have— How's that for a stake in the ground? <laughs> a stake? Uh, that sounds delicious. I'm hungry. Why do you bring up steak? Uh, in the pre-show, you brought up uh, black-eyed peas, and now you just got me hungry. Well, that was just for some tasty jams. All right, let's. Uh, Speaking of jam. <laughs> All right, before we get to these guests, though, I want to talk about the media luncheon that happened today. So Clifford was there. He. This is sort of a a thing that happens every year that before the preseason they bring the media out, and um, we're by the way we're independent. We're not we're not the media. We don't get lumped in with the media because we're independent, man. We, we tell we tell the truth, man. Uh, so we're getting this through. We don't get invited, man. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I don't even like Del. Wouldn't Frisco. even go. We probably uh, we probably go. There's uh, food there, right? Actually. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're getting this through uh, Rick Bennell's Twitter. Um, and the the tweet the the quote from Clifford uh, during this. Of course, I didn't have it. I didn't have it pulled up immediately. So let me pull this. Up. We have audio. This though. is live. We have actual audio. No, we don't. Unfortunately, ah. no, not this time. Sorry. Not like last time. Yeah, get it right. All right, <laughs> here's the tweet. This is uh, the quote from Clifford here. Last year, I did a poor job of getting our team ready for the season. We were initially bad on offense and bad on defense. So, David, th- this is an admission here from Clifford. We've heard this before a little bit late in the season. He he's. Not the kind of guy to shy away from blame, um, but just sort of going back to that section of last season, the Hornets after November were four and fourteen. Uh, MKG had the stress fracture that, yeah. that had him out indefinitely. They had nine straight losses to end November, and I think their defensive rating was was up to one hundred and six, which was astronomical, especially for a Hornets Bobcats type team. And they had two brutal uh, West Con- Western Conference stretches, one at home and one away. Uh, and they didn't get to triple digits until game nine when they, they finally got a, a, another W, and it was against the fast-paced Suns. Yeah. So they were. They were I mean, he's definitely right. They were struggling offensively and, and defensively, and they also had the Lance issue. Um, but it's an interesting admission, I think. I, I wonder how many admissions a coach gets like that before it's, 
before it's like, okay, look, so the, he's admitted this many times that, that this was on him. Maybe maybe something has to be done. And it's, I'm sure it's easier to look back on it now because in the heat of that and trying to get out of the gate fast and with so many new additions that we talked about, it was a, it was a hot mess for, for a while. And it really stayed that way throughout the season. So, I mean, I think you, you have to like that. I mean, that's a good self-assessment of, of what went wrong. And, you know, I never mind a coach taking the blame um, because it all falls on him, whether good or bad or – or, or whether it's due or not, but you know, I mean, the facts are the facts and you are what you are, right? You are what your record is and you are what you put out on the floor and everybody has a part in that. So, you know, for Clifford to say that he's not incorrect. Well, no. And, and a lot of people will point to sort of the lineup changes that were going on then. We, it, it seemed like the team didn't really know. Well, guys are the- getting hurt. And you had there new was, additions. Right. But and it, Gerald was coming off the bench. Lance was in there. Right, exactly. So there were there were a lot of lineup changes and you know, that's that's going to hurt that especially initially, you know? And yeah. it just didn't seem like they, they came out of the gates Al understanding was, what kind of team they were going to be. Yeah, they didn't know. And um, so sort it, of reflecting that to this year, it, knowing that he's admitting that is, is sort of half the battle as you go into this season yeah. when you've got a lot of new additions. And they had they had injuries in training camp too. Right. So Henderson got I mean, hurt. Before you could even get started. Lance, wasn't he hurt a little bit? Yes, he, he had a he had a minor injury. Gerald's he, was, was yeah, a little worse he wasn't than, full, than Lance's. Full 100%. But, yeah, it was difficult. And, look, everybody goes through injuries. We talk about this all the time. You have to have a little luck. But they got hit as hard as anyone last year, and you know you still get, but you still got to go out there and play. So he's got to get the guys in position to do what they want to do. It was encouraging to see them get back to that top ten defense, though. I mean, you saw them round into shape from that from that perspective, even when not much else was going right. And you just imagine that had that stretch in November not been so catastrophic, you want to play like the what if game. And oh, they were there all the whole way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just it 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 just sort of burns you a little bit because you you know how close the Eastern Conference race was at the end, uh, even with all of the misfortune. Had, had something had had one or two breaks gone the Hornets' way, it would have been different. Uh, so I think it's a combination of crossing your fingers, hoping that everything is okay in camp, and you don't have any of those similar issues, and then hoping that the the gambles. Uh, that you made in in free agency and in your trades pay off in, in terms of guys like Nick Batum. Well, Rick Bennell, he mentioned something else today, that they have created a lot of competition uh, for this training camp in a lot of places. And a guy we highlight all the time is is P.J. Hairston, who it feels like they're trying to get him as much healthy competition as they can. And not to say they didn't have competition last week last year, but, yeah, you can see with the guys they're bringing in and, and some of the um, – stockpiling at some of the wing spots especially it's going to be a good competition if everybody can stay healthy and of course they got that trip to china which they're going to have to to manage so um it's going to be something to watch for from day one in training camp which is again not far away absolutely and we'll have full coverage of that here on both at the hive.com and hive talk live uh, Austin Peters is standing by on the line Austin we're going to get to you in one second just want to get one more thing that uh, from that media luncheon uh Clifford saying 13 players worked out today, which he considers great turnout for voluntary workouts. The key word there being voluntary. So we don't know who those 13 players were. We know one of them, Nick Batum, is, is not on that list because he is in France or playing for France 
in the Eurobasket tournament, but doing very well, by the way. I said in a previous show that I, I can't really get into Eurobasket, but I did watch some of Nick Batum's highlights, mm-hmm. and he's playing well on a very stacked team. I mean, that team's got Boris Diaw, Tony Parker, and and he's showing out, you know, with those fellow stars. Man, he plays every offseason, seems like. He plays a lot, a lot of basketball. And as long as he can stay healthy, it's okay. Yeah. You know, as long as he doesn't have to deal with it, the injury that he had to deal with last season, uh, we it should be okay. For the when Hawks. is that over? When is it over, Doug? When is what over? Eurobasket? Yeah, it's over. No. I don't know. I, don't I, just, I don't get into it. I don't watch it. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can watch highlights, but I can't. I can't deal with the, the weird court, and it just, it, it just throws me off. It just makes me want to play NBA 2K. We'll find out when it's over. That's true. Uh, so, again, uh, for, for more updates, uh, not on Eurobasket, but for more updates Obviously. on the Hornets, on uh, preseason, on training camp, keep it locked in on atthehive.com. Uh, let's go ahead and bring in our – oh, by the way, real quick, we have a special uh, guest in studio, in the booth, uh, a, a Twitter celebrity, his Twitter handle. You're, you're probably familiar with it if you pay attention to Charlotte Sports, uh, at DC. WLN uh, hanging out with us, just kind of checking in on the show, uh, having a good time sitting in the booth. Uh, hopefully, I, I love bringing people here because, again, we have new digs and, and I do like showing off our, our new equipment because, again, the equipment much better than the guys that use it. Oh, uh, without a doubt. Just a, a quick note 920, Eurobasket will be over. Thank you. According to Eurobasket2015.org. Nine nine twenty. So we can just cross your fingers that that Nick Batum and you know it's not out of the question. I mean, we saw Paul George suffer that devastating let's injury last season. Let's, I'm let's just don't. saying, let's like just it's not on. out of let's the question. On. But you can't do anything about it. Like you just gotta, you <laughs> no. just gotta understand. It probably helps Batum because you think. I mean, he he struggled so much in the first half of of last season, and he got on such a roll in the second half. That it's it's probably good that he just sort of keeps that groove going and doesn't just settle in, you know, and take a vacation. Uh, it's fine. He's a young guy. I think at some point they may have to cap it, but you know. All right, let's go to the Hive Talk Live hotline where uh, Austin Peters from atthehive dot com joins us. Austin, how are you? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Good, good. Thanks for standing by. There, you uh, you covered the again. I said it at the top of the show. I don't want to call it a rumor. It was just sort of an insinuation that the Charlotte Hornets would have a nice package of players to offer the Phoenix Suns for their disgruntled power forward, Markeith Morris. Tell us more about this situation and and, and how you view it. Yeah, so I think it's it's really funny because last time I came on several weeks ago, we were reacting to one of Zach Lowe's pieces, and then this Obviously, what I wrote the other day was another reaction to one of Zach's pieces. He put in there a little tidbit that he thinks that a package of Cody Zeller and Jeremy Lamb for Marquise Morris would make sense for both teams, or at least it would be a good starting point. And basically, I, in the piece, I just broke down that I thought that um, it could be the makings for maybe a trade possibility. I I don't foresee Charlotte doing something like that with how crowded their front court is and Marquise, he's a power forward. And I don't think that they're ready to just give up on, you know, guys like Cody Zeller and Jeremy Lamb. They just traded for Lamb, and then they just traded away Noah Vonley. So I don't think that they're looking to get rid of Zeller just yet. And so it, it's a really interesting situation. 
obviously uh, young players with Marquise's talent and ability don't come available too often. And, you know, if you have the means to get a player like that, then you should definitely ask, ask around or feel it out, feel the situation out. But I'm not sure that, like I said, at this point in time with all the moves that the Hornets have made and all the roster turnover they've had this off season, I'm just not sure that it's a real likely possibility or if it would be a, a good thing that for them to explore doing. Austin Peters, writer for at the joining us. We're talking about Markeith Morris. Now, if, if hypothetically, if a, if a deal were to be done and we'll take the hypothetical deal that Zach Lowe offered in his piece on Grant land, the, the Cody Zeller, Jeremy Lamb swap for Markeith Morris, what kind of player, if he were to be thrown in the Cody Zeller role, what kind of player would the Hornets be getting in, in Markeith Morris? Yeah, so Marquise, he he can shoot it a little bit outside. He's not a very good three-point shooter. I think he's only shooting like 33% for his career, but he's very good in the mid-range from about 15 to 19 feet. And one of the things that impresses me most about him is for a guy his size, he's about 6'10", 6'11", plays a lot of four and a lot of five. Um, For a guy his size, he's really good at putting it on the deck, like putting it on the bounce and shooting off of one or two dribbles, which can be kind of a mashup nightmare if you think about it. Like if you got guys that size trying to guard him who are normally pretty slow, if he can shot fake and get around them off a couple dribbles and knock down the jump shot, that that can be a pretty useful tool. And so obviously he, he had success in the up-tempo offense that Phoenix played, being able to kind of have some freedom to, you know, shoot shoot off the dribble some, shoot some open shots. And uh, I think that that's, that's mainly his type of game. Um, he, he operates in the post a lot, too. He's got nice turnaround J in the post. Um, he's kind of he's pretty strong, and so he's able to back down guys. And especially if you're going to play him at the four, um, he's going to have a size advantage on a lot, of, a lot of guys in the league now that the league is trending more towards smaller power forwards. And so he's a, he's a pretty talented player offensively, defensively. He can protect the rim pretty well. He's not he's not a Rudy Gobert or an Andrew Bogut by any means, but he does a pretty good job. He's not somebody that people are going to score over all the time. Um, I think that he would be a good fit next to Al because Al likes to post up a lot, plays on the block a lot. Marquise can space it a little bit. Obviously, he's not going to space it as far as you would want him to out to the three-point line, but you know, any little bit of spacing counts and would be great and would be welcomed, especially in Charlotte, a team that was last in the league last year and uh, three-point shooting percentage and so and then then the rim protection next to Al we all know that Al's not um, the best defender he's not the quickest on his feet not the most athletic vertically to be able to pr- to block shots at the rim or protect the basket and Marquise would add a little bit of improvement to that and so I think that he you know in the areas of need that Charlotte has he would be a little bit of an improvement um, and I mean like I said any improvement at all in those areas would be would be great for a team that struggled in uh, you know those those areas yeah, Austin, is it my imagination, or do the Morris Twins play better when they're on the same team? Well, they've always played on the same <laughs> right. team, right? Since high school. Uh, I think they were separated a little bit their first couple of years, were they not? I'm not a Morris yeah, expert. They, so they play, yeah, they played high school together. They're both born and raised in Philadelphia, and then they played at the university, or Kansas University together for, I don't, I don't know if they went three or four years. I can't remember off yeah. the top of my head. And then um, they got drafted one after the the other. Marquise got drafted 13th to Phoenix, and then Marcus got drafted 14th. But yeah, I think everybody likes to joke that you know yeah. they, 
they can't be separated. Otherwise, their powers are, <laughs> you know, useless if they're separated. But I, I, I think Marquise showed that he's he played really well in Phoenix without Marcus there, and um, so I think that they, they'll be just fine together in the right situation and in the right role. Yeah. On a more serious note, I guess is there any are there any concerns? Because I mean, there's they're obviously disgruntled, and it sounds like he does want to get out of Phoenix. But do you see that playing a part in maybe Charlotte saying, you know, we're going to back off for right now, maybe messing up the chemistry? here in Charlotte is a concern. Yeah. And I, especially after having a guy like Lance on the team last year, you don't won't probably see them rolling the, rolling the dice, so to speak on a guy with a, maybe a so-so personality and a uh, guy with a reputation of being a locker room disruptor. And I, you know, I said earlier too, just how much roster turnover they've had, how many guys they've, you know, had going out and coming in different guys coming in needing they're going to, I mean, I mean, to be honest, they're probably going to look a lot different on, on both ends of the floor this year. They're, it's a team that underperformed last year, and they're going to have – they went out and made a lot of changes, and they're going to look differently uh, schematically-wise on both ends, I, I would assume, with how many different guys they have coming in. So um, I, I just think that bringing in another guy would maybe make things a little bit more difficult. And like you guys said, adding on the fact that he's not doesn't have the best reputation with right. – would make would lead me to believe that um, that, that that wouldn't be an option worth exploring. Here with Austin Peters, writer for AtTheHive.com. Now, Austin, uh, the, the really the main reason we we brought you on for this show is because uh, you're about to start a, a pretty big series here uh, for this preseason camp period uh, for AtTheHive.com, kind of profiling some of these fringe players, guys that are on unguaranteed contracts or maybe just training camp contracts and and making the case for each of these individuals to possibly make the team. Tell us a little bit about the series. Who's coming up first? What's, what's the deal here? Yeah. So to kind of outline the Charlotte Hornets situation right now, they have 14 guaranteed contracts on their roster and NBA teams are allowed to have 15. Um, on their roster or after training camp. And so they have four guys, Aaron Harrison, Elliot Williams, Sam Thompson, and Jason Washburn, who have all signed non-guaranteed contracts, meaning that if they are cut and don't make the team, then their salary doesn't count towards the salary cap. Um, Elliot Williams and Aaron Harrison, they have partial guarantees. I think the numbers for those, I, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I could be wrong, but I think Aaron Harrison, 75,000 guaranteed. And then, um, L.A. Williams, I believe, is 80000 guaranteed. So they, they have partial guarantees, but the other two have completely non-guaranteed deals. And so really, if you I just kind of take a look at it, those four guys are going to be competing for that last spot. And so I'm basically going to just do a profile of each of those guys. What do they, what do, they do well? What don't they do so well? How would they fit? And what would they bring to the table in Charlotte? And then, you know, really, like, why why should they make the team? So will the, will the skills that they have, the things that they do well, will they translate well to the team? Will they fit well? And does that mean that they should make the team? And the, the cool thing about the, the four different players, as I'm doing the research and looking at statistics and watching video and film of these guys, is they all kind of bring something different to the table. And that's, that's really kind of cool to me because I like it when teams have different skill sets of players and they're able to kind of morph into different styles and able to adjust throughout the course of the game to, to, you know, kind of, uh, like I, I guess adjust is probably the right word to adjust to what the other team's doing and be able to make changes on the fly. That's kind of uh, the coach in me kind of thinks that that's cool. So that's why I, 
I'm really excited about the series and excited about digging in uh, and researching these guys some more. Well, I don't want to give away too much. I don't want you to give away too much. We've got to give people a reason to go on at thehive.com and read these. <laughs> but so it just seems like Aaron Harrison has the inside track. He looks like the one guy that, that could make it. But, but give me one, like of all the rest, uh, there's what, there's three or four left. I mean, what, what one guy who, other than Aaron Harrison, who could possibly maybe either land on the Hornets or maybe even land on another team based on his performance in, in, in camp and preseason? Well, the to me, the interesting part about this is that Charlotte doesn't have a D-League team. And why that's interesting is that most teams, so I'm trying to think of a team off the top of my head, so like Golden State, they don't have any roster spots open for guys. I mean, they're a championship team, and they really don't need anybody, but they are bringing in these guys on non-guaranteed contracts into training camp with the idea in mind that they can just put those guys in their D-League team. Now, Charlotte doesn't have their own D-League affiliate. I know they're talking about maybe getting one. I know that the goal is for all 30 NBA teams to have one, but Aaron Harrison, Jason Washburn, Sam Thompson, guys, who don't have an NBA resume yet, those would be perfect guys to bring into training camp, give them a chance to make the team. If it doesn't work out, send them to the D-League affiliate. And so in my mind, that would make it kind of me leaning towards Elliot Williams would be my guy to make the team just because he's been in the league a couple of years. He's been in the D-League. He was a D-League MVP for the Santa Cruz Warriors last year, ironically, since I mentioned the Warriors. But he, um, I think that, when it comes to making a team in that last roster spot, you guys, you know, mentioned Aaron Harrison. I, I think that he probably is the favorite. He's probably the most talented of the group, but of the other three, I would definitely go with Elliot Williams just because of his experience playing, um, playing at an NBA level. I know he hasn't been able to stick in the league and he's bounced around from places in and out of the D league and on 10 day contracts and things like that. But I think because of his experience and, just kind of knowing the the rhythm of the NBA life cycle, I think that that gives him an advantage over the other guys. Jason Washburn's an, an interesting guy. He's uh, decently act, active and mobile, athletic, seven footer. Um, played overseas for a couple the last couple of years, and so he's another interesting interesting candidate. I don't foresee him making the team with the crowded front court that they have going into this year, and then. Um, obviously, Sam Thompson, he's a he's just a crazy athlete. Anybody, you know, that's listening should go on YouTube and just YouTube Sam Thompson and just watch him dunk all over people at Ohio State. It was pretty fun to watch. And so, yeah, like I said, it's going to be a fun series, and um, they all bring something different to the table. But I think that if I had to pick one of those those other three guys, I'd probably go with Elliot Williams. Uh, n- never a bad thing to go with a shooter when we're talking about guys that the Charlotte Hornets could be interested in. Austin, Great information. We we look forward to your series there on atthehive.com. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, no problem. Anytime. And you guys have been doing a great job. I've been listening just about every every single one of these things that you guys post. You guys have been doing a great job, and I've really enjoyed listening. So hey. thank you so much for having, having me on. It's my pleasure. Listen, listen, Austin. Flattery will get you back on this show. So keep <laughs> it up, all right? Thank you very much. Thanks, Austin. All right, so where can you find Austin on Twitter, there, Doug? That would be at a Pete nineteen ninety three. Hit him up. Hit him up. Yeah, definitely. Follow. That's a great follow. All of the guys that at the Hive, great follows, and you can find all the all of the Twitter handles on the masthead on the website under the About tab. How's that? 
How's that for navigation? Hey, we got a great guest coming up a little later in the show, Roger Castillo from Sports Radio Detroit. He leads off our series on teams that the Hornets will be competing with. We're going to do a little preliminary scouting. Tough to scout before preseason, but we're going to try. We're going to do a little speculation, a little pontification, a little projection. It's hard to do it, but we're going to do it anyway. (laughs) I like that amount of breath. Hey, uh, so we got a special guest, by the way, in the booth uh, at uh, DCWLN. I always I have to like think about it right before I say it. Those series of letters, I'm like in the spelling bee again. Uh, D C. Uh, can I start over? Uh, he he tweeted. He's tweeting this show. He's basically tweeting all of the stuff that I don't know, which is nice. We need that. I need, we he he's welcome back to do that. Yeah, uh, he confirmed the Eurobasket end of nine twenty and. And he also confirmed that Markeith and Marcus did not have not played together their entire career. Yeah, um, I already knew that. You didn't know that, though. Right. Well, look, what am I, their guidance counselor? Like, no, of course, like, I don't know. I don't keep up with every set of twins in the NBA. Twins, Basil. Um, it's hot, okay, in our producer booth. I have to say that. I have to just say that up front. We don't have fans in there. So. Um, so I, I hope he's doing okay. He looks to have uh, passed out. Uh, he's on the floor right now. So uh, we'll try to get a doctor in there soon to, to make sure he's okay. Uh, we got a, we got some news. We got a little bit of news from the NBA at large, and and honestly, it has to it it tangentially has to do with the Hornets. First up, the playoffs are now going to be seeded by conference. We kind of knew this was coming, David. Right. Yeah. So divisions mattered somewhat to the playoffs in that you were guaranteed one of those top four positions. Right. And now that's gone. So what do do divisions mean anything anymore? Not really, right? Other than scheduling, I guess. Scheduling and, really... and trying to contrive rivalries, I suppose, right? Right. So uh Adam Silver, new commissioner, relatively new, uh hinted at this during the playoffs that this might be coming. And so it just, it now it's, it's just there. It's fact. It, these things happen fast. It seems like in the NBA faster. They do than, with silver. Than, he's not afraid. I'm telling you, man, he just, there's going to be live betting at games before long. DraftKings and FanDuel so coming good. to the NBA. <laughs> do you Jeez. have a promo code for that, by the way? <laughs> the promo code is hive. Uh, no. Yeah. Jeez, man. They're all over. If I, I could just find yeah, some information when you asked me, on that. When you asked me if I watched all the football, no, I watched all of the DraftKings commercials. That's it. That's all right. I watched. Have some football there with was, your DraftKings commercials. There, were, there was a little, like, in between kickoffs, pointless kickoffs. That's, no, that, that's a great point. I was thinking the only thing I can think of in sports that may be more meaningless than NBA divisions are NFL kickoffs. Listen, we could, yeah. You mean NFL? Oh, I thought you were going the timeouts immediately after. No, every no, kickoff. I'm talking about the actual kickoff. Well, now they are. They just kick them into the stands. That's what I'm saying. And in fact, like you think of the one kickoff that actually meant something, and it was the the Seahawks like doing the the trying to trick onside kick and it blowing up in their faces. They they moved the kickoff up. They moved the extra point back. Yeah, so we need to figure this out. I just feel like we are definitely in our lane right now. I'm just this saying is football breakdown. Well, of I just podcast. said like it's it's it, it may be the only thing in sports that's more meaningless than NBA divisions at this point. 
But to get back to that, I think everybody's in favor of this. Yeah. Just take the teams, do it by record, and then off you go. So it's a good thing. Now you just have to win enough to get in. I can, imagine that. Well, and and it's a I think it's a precursor to what's what's eventually there's going to be more changes to the playoff structure. This is all these things tend to happen incrementally. And this seems like something that's that's going to continue to change as people sort of want a more fair way to to get good teams into the playoffs and teams that maybe quote unquote don't deserve it to, to not be in the playoffs. Yeah, hopefully the East, you know, can can hold up their end of the bargain because I mean a lot of this goes back to that first round series, Clippers Spurs. I mean, those are two of the better that was the best series of the playoffs. <laughs> it was in the first round. Sorry, I'm checking Twitter here. By the way, tweet us your thoughts at uh, Hive Talk Live. Uh, questions, concerns. If you have concerns about the health of at DCWLN, who is currently in the booth, uh, his wife, it seemed, had some concerns. Uh, so, no, he's okay. Everything he's is good. He's fine. He's good. I'm looking at him. We gave him, uh, we gave he's him having a great IV time with uh, smart water in it. He's perfect. He's fine. Um. Roger Castillo from Sports Radio Detroit standing by on the Hive Talk live hotline, but I want to get to the second uh, piece of news. And Austin actually alluded to this or actually just said it outright. So the Indiana Pacers bought the Fort Wayne Mad Ants team, the D-League team, that well, like 11 other teams were sharing, including mm-hmm. the Charlotte Hornets. So that means there are a lot of teams, including the Charlotte Hornets, who now – do not have a D-League team. Now, we know, David, the Charlotte Hornets are exploring options to own outright a D-League team. Let me explain what's going to happen here because this seems like, oh, my God, I mean, we don't have a D-League team. We can't uh, we can't send players down. No, no. It's not as bad as it sounds. So, basically, if the Hornets wanted to assign someone down to the D-League, they would basically go into a pool. There would be a lottery and – uh, it's sort of like a waiver wire type situation where, again, the Hornets can't control where that player is going to go, can't control how many minutes that player gets, similar to when we shared the team with the Fort Wayne uh, or with the 11 other teams, that the Fort Wayne Mad Ants. The Hornets had little control, but at least they knew where the player was going. Now they could go wherever in the country. Yeah, they got to get this thing wrapped up. I think it feels like they got to get a, a team. Pick a city. Just go. Pick a city. Just go. Asheville that, wants in. Let's go Asheville. Be, be leaving Asheville. Let's yeah, do they it. definitely. They they've set up a Twitter, and you know, you we all know they actually want it. If you set up a Twitter, that means you're serious. They're real. It's two hours away. Uh, it's an easy drive. We can get up there. You can get up there anytime you want. Sure. I, I I'm for it. Go after the show if you want. I'm not huge in and and this is nothing against Asheville. I'm just saying oh, of geez. the cities, I'm just not huge into Asheville. Here we go. What? Asheville. I can I have my back. city preferences. <laughs> I'm not Asheville. Ba- I'm not Bashville. I'm not bashing Asheville. I'm just saying. I guess I would prefer Greensboro. Okay, there we go. The Greensboro bias. <laughs> I, the bias. Hey, hey, here's the thing. They just need to pick one. They just let's get it work. Let's get this deal done. That's right. Because again, it does hurt you to not have that control because you don't control the minutes. You don't control the role that player plays with that team. So there's really other than to just hold the player and keep the legs warm. There's, there's little benefit to sending a player down to the D league at this point. If you're the Hornets, it feels like they're going to get it done. We just haven't heard a lot moving in that direction since the beginning of summer. So you uh, you hope they're still looking at that seriously. 
Yeah, we'll keep you updated. As soon as we hear something on the D-League situation, we will uh, let you know. But let's get to the Hive Talk Live hotline again, standing by very patiently. Our good friend, our old friend, Roger Castillo of Sports Radio Detroit. Welcome back to the show, Roger. See the team, see a team in uh, Durham, North Carolina. I'm surprised that with that's a minor league town. I was surprised that uh, the Hornets would look there. I mean, there's an infrastructure there already, so I would think that would be a logical conclusion. They looked at Raleigh, and I believe Raleigh pulled out of the uh, negotiate or well, not negotiations. They just didn't want any part of it. Yeah, I mean, it, it. I think a certain level of this is interest from the city and being able to provide. So maybe Durham, you know, they have a team in, in the Durham Bulls, that minor league baseball team, that may be, you know, sort of just all they can handle in terms of, uh, you know, public funds. Because this will, I think this will require some. They need the whole triangle for that to work. But I mean, yeah. not like it couldn't work. Yeah. All right, but but Roger, we brought you on. You're the you're the expert on the Detroit Pistons. You're our expert. You're the expert. And we are talking about teams that will be competing with the Hornets in that latter half of the Eastern Conference playoff race. And the Pistons are seem to be, uh, that seems to be a goal for this team. They, they've had a, a, a bevy of additions. Let's talk about those. Uh, wh- what addition to the, the Pistons roster in this offseason are you most excited about? Honestly, and I know that I sound very unconventional when I say this, but, I mean, there's two really ones that I really like. Uh, Marcus Morris. Now, I know everybody prefers his brother, his twin brother, who is who could end up being, who could end up being in, in the Pistons uniform anyways, but... Uh-oh, speculation. I like, I like Morris. <laughs> All speculation aside, Morris is going to put a chip on his shoulder, and I think he's going to be driven. I think he has a lot to prove. And Stanley Johnson. Now, I mean, I know we talked draft night, Doug, about, you know, if, if Stanley Johnson fell to the Hornets, they would definitely go after him. And this guy is nothing but, I mean, especially with dealing with some of, in the last, you know, seven or eight years, seeing a lot of the attitudes that come by with Richard Hamilton kind of sourly leaving town and Tayshaun Prince just kind of going, I'm, I'm back here, really. To see a guy who actually wants to be here and wants to contribute, and Stanley Johnson's been nothing but just, he's like the first Piston that I can remember in a long time outside of Grant Hill and maybe Isaiah Thomas, that has a lot of enthusiasm, and I can't not wait to see this kid play. I mean, I'm very excited for the upcoming season, and I, I think Stanley Johnson is going to bring, you know, rookie of the year candidate strongly. Hey, what was the, you know, Stanley Johnson was there, Justice Winslow was obviously there too, there was a lot of breakdown there. Was there something that um, tipped the scale, tipped the favor towards Stanley Johnson for the Pistons? I think it's his winning attitude, and, um, you know, Sam Gunny has said that before, that he is a winner in every level he's been at. And the way he, again, coming out, you know, going to Arizona, just standing out already, I mean, the guy has confidence. And I think that Sam Gunny wants winners, wants guys who can really have a good attitude with the team. And it, and it shows with the rest of the team that he wants people that want to be here. And I think that that's the reason why I think they drafted him, because I think he, he really wanted to be – he wanted to go to Detroit. He's been a West Coast kid, and I think he sees this as a challenge for him to become a great player. And I really and – that, and, and that says a lot, because a lot of times people think it's just, you know, you can draft based off talent, and that's fine, but you can't coach attitude, and he's got a great attitude. And I think that's, I think that's the reason why the Pistons drafted him. So, David, like your Charlotte all-time team – uh, Stan Van Gundy, he he wanted winners. I want winners. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I had to, I had to get that drop. In exactly. 
so let's let's talk about. Uh, by the way, we're here with Roger Castillo, uh, Sports Radio Detroit, talking Detroit Pistons. We're scouting the Pistons, a team that definitely will be tussling uh, with the Charlotte Hornets for a spot in the playoffs. The uh, SB Nation blog, the Detroit Bad Boys, uh, DetroitBadBoys.com, named Contavious Caldwell Pope their candidate for the Pistons player they feel is poised to break out this season. Do you agree with that sentiment? Is KCP poised for a breakout? I think so. I think he was a good defender. I mean, he defended the ball well last year. He, he quietly goes about his business, but I think coming from the perimeter, I think his rookie season, he, he was kind of forced into a little bit, and he shot the ball quite a bit. And a lot of Pistons fans started him right away because his low, pursuit, low, low shooting percentage, rightfully so. I mean, the, the Pistons have not been able to have – have not been a good perimeter team. And when you see guys like Josh Smith shoot 29%, you look at – Pope and go 35, it's like, oh, that's not that bad. But, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it was. But I think he is poised to break out. He has gotten better. And I think people forget about his defense. I think he's been able to shut down some of the best second guards or best two guards in the league. And I think that for Pope to grow, especially in this offense, where you're going to have a lot of guys who are – it's a perimeter-based offense. That's how Stan Van Gunny likes it. I think it plays to his strength. And – Again, maybe he's like a shooter like an old Hornet favorite, Del Curry. He keeps shooting the ball, and he'll just get hot. And I think that's—I think he's going to become a better perimeter shooter uh, this year. Roger, uh, I guess a two-part question here. It's about Stan Van Gundy. I mean, he's coaching, and as well as you know, doing some of the uh, structuring of this team. First of all, how is that dynamic playing out? Is there a sense that you know we like the coaching, you know, or or we like him trying to build the team, or or he's doing better in one area or the other? And then, what kind of team is he trying to build up there with you know guys like Drummond, Jackson, Stanley Johnson that we mentioned before? That's a good question, and you know, to answer the first part of it, I think with all, right now Tom Gore's and the owner of the Pistons and the the free the um, super agent they hired, I think they're taken away from the, the kind of the the marketing side of things and letting Sam Agnelli focus on the basketball side of things. And usually, you know, when, when somebody's doing the president of the basketball operation, they have to worry about a lot of other things. But I really think he's just worried about the team being built. And the guys he brought in, I think, are an example of that. I mean, well, Brandon Jennings, I mean, it's been reported that he won't come back till mid to late December. He's got, I mean, he's got some decisions made, but he's already shown some, you know, brass balls already for the film decisions he's already made. I mean, he let Monroe go to Milwaukee, which I think is, I think it's going to come back to haunt him, but that's just another story for another day. But I think the fact he's shown he is not afraid to pull the trigger, he let Josh Smith go, and it's showing that, you know, Josh, I mean, you know, I don't have enough money to feed my kids, quote unquote, all that nonsense, but he's showing guys, he's got character guys. I mean, Reggie Jackson immediately has fit in and they, they did a team bonding exercise going to Vegas doing a UFC thing. He, it's a team built guys. And I think, and I don't know about you guys, but I mean, you guys seen a lot of the magic, Orlando Magic basketball because of Charlotte being in the same division. But I think it's a far different situation than it was in Orlando, where he had Dwight Howard, a malcontent, in my opinion, and a guy who didn't really want to be there. And I think he has a team. These are really strong character guys. And I know I keep talking about it, but for the lack of better, another adjective, I think these guys are. Guys who want to be here, and there's guy, and and it's more guys who have different skill sets. They're you know a variety of skill sets, and you look at the fact that Pope can drive, and he can also shoot. And then you look at Drummond, who's your defensive center, but 
the, the biggest signing of it all, and I think a signing that's going to go, if he can stay healthy, is the gentleman who they got from Milwaukee. And uh, I can never say his name right, Evasova. Mm-hmm. That yeah. guy, to me, is also going to be a, yeah, he's going to be a really good stretch four, and it's going to allow them to do a lot of different things. And all the guys you brought in, guys, are all versatile. And I think that's the big part of his lineup. Versatility, again, a similar thing to the Hornets. The, the trying to get that positional versatility and also improve the shooting. So there are a lot of similarities. And, of course, you have two guys in Andre Drummond and uh, Big Al Jefferson. They have different skill sets, different games, but they're both uh, kind of locked down there on the block. Uh, let's talk about Brandon Jennings, by the way. So you're talking about guys that are sort of – they want to be there, they want to win, and they're buying into the system. Brandon Jennings coming out and saying, I'm okay with the backup role. What do you think about that? <laughs> you know, do you buy – <laughs> it doesn't sound like he buys it. You know, look, man. I mean, look, look, guys. <laughs> if you guys have if you guys have played competitive sports, if you were the starting guard, you had an injury, come back, and somebody else is there – you're not going to sit there and tell me, oh, I'm, I'm perfectly fine. No, no, look, he's saying the right things. And he did a show locally a few weeks ago where he was talking to one of the beat writers from Detroit, and he was talking about it, and he said the right things. And, and I, I firmly believe I think what's going to happen is he's, it's just a showcase for him to go somewhere else. I mean, from going back to his days playing professionally overseas to get contract to get signed, Brandon Jennings thinks about one person. That's Brandon Jennings. And I'm not trying to say that to cause a certain controversy, but – I mean, last year he surprised me. He carried the team on his back until he got injured. And it showed. And, and like before that, I wasn't a big fan of his. I'm not going to lie. But he showed a side of me that he showed he was a guy that was going to willingly but, – but he was a star. You know, he was forced to be a star. So is that the reason why he kind of stepped up as a team guy? You know, that's, that's a good question to ask yourself. Is that – is he a team guy or was he just – he got thrust in a role because Josh Smith was gone. So another, that's a big question, Mark, heading into this season for the Detroit Pistons. Will Brandon Jennings accept that backup role to Reggie Jackson? Uh, what are uh, Give us a, just a few remaining question marks or weaknesses. What are some weaknesses that the Detroit Pistons will have to address in the preseason and, and as they go through this regular season journey? You know, I really think they have to see. I mean, a lot of a lot of people are saying that uh, Aaron uh, Bands, the signing from uh, San Antonio, is going to be a solid signing, and I, and I think so. But they, I still think they lack a little depth in the front court. Um, I think that's what's going to really kind of haunt this team down the stretch. And I really also think it's. I mean, Steve Blake is thirty-five, and so you give a veteran point guard, and that's that's fine and dandy and all, but. You know, I, I still think they have a lot of questions to answer at that in the terms of getting a good, solid guard that can go in there and give them minutes with Jennings not coming back till December. And also, at the small forward, outside of Johnson and Morris, you know, if Johnson could come in and be a guy that can get 35 minutes and him and Morris can share the ball, then you shouldn't have to worry about this too much. But I still think this team needs another perimeter shooter. Um, if Pope can shoot 40%, I think they'll be – I think they'll be in a playoff race, and especially the way that how East, how competitive the East is. And I mean, Charlotte has gotten better in the off season, you know. And I think that they, Charlotte, especially against a team like the Hornets, who, granted, yes, I know their perimeter defense with Al Jefferson in the middle is kind of, eh, but the Pistons up the middle are strong. But again, they just don't have any depth in the in the four and and even the five. I think that we'll see what happens with. Bands. I think he's one of those guys that 
is a big question mark to me, at least, because I haven't seen him play. To be honest with you, I mean, I don't watch a lot of San Antonio Spurs basketball, but um, I think it's going to be the depth that's going to really be the weakness of this team. And I think they really need to they, – they were one of the worst teams in the league last year, 27th in field goal percentage, and they need to shoot the ball better. And if, with, you know, Greg Monroe gone, that takes away a lot of that inside scoring. And if Andrew – you know, Andre Drummond's not an inside scorer, who's going to be that guy? Roger, great information. If you want to learn more about the Detroit Pistons or, or Detroit sports in general, you got to visit sportsradiodetroit.com. Roger, we'll get you back in here when, when the Hornets play the Pistons. Always love to talk to you. Thanks, guys. And I'm just as sick and tired of the DraftKings and FanDuel commercials you are. <laughs> They're nauseous. You haven't picked sides yet. You haven't in the great war of, of DraftKings and FanDuel. You have not, you have not picked a side. We must. We must all pick sides. No, I... <laughs> when the great when the great war no, comes, there can we only must, be one. We, we must pick sides. <laughs> the revolution will be drafted. All right. <laughs> Keep going. Keep going. I got, I got nothing else. <laughs> this is only an hour show. Okay, <laughs> Roger. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, buddy. Roger. All right. Thanks, guys. All right, let's talk about Detroit. I'll tell you what, Doug. You look at this roster. Okay. I mean, it, it it's crazy to see how they're going to put this thing together. To me, I mean, they, you're right. They have a lot of versatility, or a lot of guys who can move around and do some different things. I just don't know how they're gonna how they're gonna put it together. Well, when this team had Greg Monroe last season, they they destroyed our front court. I mean, they really just pounded our front court into submission. Cody Zeller had a really tough time defensively against the Pistons, as yep. did Al Jefferson. That's not going to be the case this coming season. There's going to be a, an area to attack there down in the front court. And and like Roger said, there's a depth issue, which you hope the Hornets have figured out with the additions of Jeremy Lin and Jeremy Lamb and and others, and Nick Batum playing different positions. You hope that depth issue is figured out for the Hornets because if it is teams like Detroit you're going to be able to attack them there with certain substitutions so great information and look that that's what this whole series is about we're figuring out uh, where the Hornets can be successful against teams uh, like Detroit because it's going to be key those key battles down the stretch to get into the playoffs yeah and, and where the Hornets will need to improve in order to beat beat teams like this and and I think look I think the shooting is improved for Detroit so if the if the Hornets, they're not going to get pounded inside, but certainly uh, they'll have to shoot shoot the ball better because teams like Detroit and the Wizards and all of these teams in the East that were that either missed the playoffs barely or di- or just got in have improved their shooting. Oh yeah, that's going to be a big step for the Hornets, obviously, and that's something they've tried to address as as we've hit on along with you know the creation of the offense in general. Hey, I have a big, I have a huge announcement. Are you ready for this? I am. I've been ready for this for a while. Uh, we just hit our 1,000th follower. I mean, that's, that's pretty, it. That's that's pretty it. big, right? I mean, it's not look, – look, people have a lot of followers everywhere, so it's not like I'm, – I'm sure – That's a milestone. I'm Listen, sure, that's I'm a sure milestone. at uh, DCWLN, who's joining us here in studio, I'm sure he has like 10,000 followers. He was not what? impressed. He yeah, was like, He's uh, like, he was like – a thousand? Oh, a thousand? Oh, oh, that's great, that's guys. Good. I remember my first thousand followers. <laughs> that's cool. No, uh, but it's it's big for us, and, and we just want to. First of all, I want to thank our thousandth follower, Candace with a K at uh, Candace SM. We hope you're real, Candace. I I really hope so. Her her tweets are protected. 
And she's and, an egg. I don't know. Well, listen, I don't care if I was going, honestly, I was going I'm to, kidding. I was going to ask someone to make a fake account and follow us to get that. Cause we were sitting at nine 99 when the show started. Listen, Doug, we're at 1002 right now. So, uh, if I can scroll down fast enough, because these these things like it takes forever to load these things, I'm gonna continue to scroll down. I'm gonna find our like first ten followers and thank them at the end of the show. So stand by for that. By the way, Steve Blake is 35 years old. That guy, I felt like he was 35 in college. He will. Like, that fight guy would you. not go away. He will fight you. Oh my god! All right. Oh, also, I pulled this. Um, I pulled this. Oh, geez. Now I'm gonna have to scroll again. What am I doing? I'm such a Twitter noob. No wonder we're just hitting a thousand followers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I got this player comparison here between Markeith Morris and Cody Zeller. We were talking earlier in the show about the insinuations about, oh, well, Markeith Morris, he's disgruntled. He doesn't want to be in Phoenix. Where could he go? Could he possibly go to Charlotte? You know, obviously, Cody Zeller's been on the block for Charlotte seemingly forever. Yeah. Uh, so just got some player comparisons here. Uh, defensive a box plus minus. A good stat to determine mm. sort of your overall defensive ability, what you contribute on the defensive end, and Cody actually a better defender in that stat than Markeith Morris sitting at two point two versus point seven, and I think that points to something. I think a lot of people underrate Cody Zeller's ability on defense. He does get beat up as we saw in the Detroit series by bigger guys, but he's also pretty mobile and he's a good rebounder. Well, I also think the other thing is. If he is really adding that three-point shot to his game, and that's a big if, but that's what they've been preaching the whole time. Please, 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 please. please. I mean, it's 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 tempting and it's understandable for the Hornets to say, "Listen, we have made a lot of moves this, this offseason. This is it, though. I mean, this t- seems to be his final shot in Charlotte. Right. If he right. can't if he can't make an impact somehow yeah, on yeah. the team this season, I, I feel like that's it. Yeah, but uh, you know, they, they they historically don't like to give up on their guys, and that wouldn't be exactly giving up on him. And Noah Vonleh you know, excluded here, but um, it makes sense for them to want to give him one more, one more go around one more season, at least to see what he can do. Got a little more help down low now. So maybe, um, maybe that'll be good for Cody. And um, you know, I'm, they're always looking, I mean, they're always looking to, to, to improve things and, and they're going to take some calculated risks. That one just feels like it would be, you know, a little bit, not a reach per se, but but something that maybe just disrupt things in a way they they might not want to gamble on. I mean, Markeith to me is and not is, a bad way to him or anything. I think he's the mer- he's the more versatile like two way player. Like he he does like Cody Zeller is a better defender, but I think offensively Markeith more than makes up for it just yeah. because he had. I mean, he can drive. The, he can drive. He can. He, he's a pretty good passer. Uh, he can bang. He can bang too. Right. Yeah. I mean, he can back you down. I mean, he's a strong guy. It's you know, it's sort of the the attitude question though. You come up with is he going to be happy any place but with his twin? That seemed to be the catalyst, at least uh, that got this whole thing started when the sons traded away his brother Marcus. He didn't like that. He did not like that. Uh, again, we hit a thousand followers on Twitter. That's 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 a pretty cool thing. And, and and I say that not to not in a haughty way, but just in a like thanks thanks to the fans for for supporting this show for what's our third year now, and and really Absolutely. like our our bread and butter has been Twitter. We're 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 getting better on Facebook. We're getting better talking. We're getting better every day at, at this talking thing. At the talking. But uh, Twitter has been has been right you know right for us, and it's where we deliver a lot of our news about the shows. And anyway. 
I think we in this whole talk, I think I've lost seven followers, so I better stop talking about Candace. it. Candace. <laughs> All right. Um well we well, how many minutes we got? We have five minutes. That's time for one last thing. David, over the weekend, new Hornets guard, uh Jeremy Lynn made his first visit to you you heard of this Jeremy Lynn guy? You heard of this guy? He's I'm a new. follower. I'm not, I'm not not like a like a follower. You follow Actually, him around? <laughs> yeah. I'm familiar with him. All right. He made his first visit to Time Warner Cable Arena since the signing and uh, had a little problem. Had a problem getting in the arena. Um, I had about 1,000 Google alerts. This seemed to be picked up by every news organization, uh, both real and imagined. Um, he could not get by security. Security did not was not convinced that he was an NBA player. Uh, here's the tweet from uh, Jeremy Lin. Went to the Hornets arena for first time and tried convincing security that I'm a player. She said, quote, what team? <laughs> Lol. Hashtag everywhere I go. Hashtag literally. And, and as soon as I saw this, after I deleted my thousand Google alerts, I thought to myself, this has happened before. And sure enough, Dan Devine uh, did a rundown of this on uh, Ball Don't Lie on Yahoo.com and uh, brought up the instance that it happened in New York before. That makes sense. That makes a little more sense. Before Linsanity, yeah, he had trouble getting into the arena, and apparently, uh, you know, according to Jeremy Lin and according to the the many bios that you can see on on YouTube and the like, this happened to him in college and high. It seems like everywhere, you know, it, 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 this has happened multiple times, and you know, it's it's a tough thing. I look. I think it's tough. I don't. I don't. I don't think that they inform the security team on every roster move. <laughs> but I see where the humor from this comes. And, they're not. And, they're not in the war room. No. And Jeremy Lin has a good sense of humor about this, which is nice. Um, and I'm the, sure he just had to text someone, give him a heads up. She did know what team you know he was referring to, though, right? That was unclear from his tweet. She knew the now, Hornets honestly, played there, right? See, that's the underrated story in all this. I'm I'm a little concerned for the security person saying yeah. what team, like you know. The it's checkers, a basketball court like the behind you. The checkers are gone. Like there is no, there's only one team in Time Warner Cable Arena now. Yeah, it's on the. It's, he's on the bill. He's on. It's the on your floor. shirt, ma'am. It's on your shirt. <laughs> a Hornet spokesman said the team did not have any comment. That is. That's the right way to go. It's not a surprise. It's the right way to go on that. Hopefully, uh, you know, we joke, we laugh, we kid, but all in good fun. I'm sure they said, "Hey, listen, this is Jeremy Lin. He'll be back." Yeah, so, don't. Yeah, definitely let this guy in in the future. Um, you got to carry your high tops over your shoulder, though. Tie with one key? lace, and then have a ball. Also, right? Yeah, I don't think he was. Yeah, maybe if he was in like a suit and tie, then I think there's a little bit of a question there. Like if he, if but if he's like, we've all been there, right? We've all been denied. Listen, especially by time I go there every day, and they don't let me in. <laughs> That's because you're fogging up the windows from the right, outside. I'm just like, just waiting for Michael Jordan to pass. Like, what was that a problem? He's never had that problem. I don't. I don't think. No. He what? He made more money selling shoes this year. That's the big story. There's like one Michael Jordan story every week. We've got to get season. to the season so the MJ stories can stop. <laughs> He's made more money selling shoes this year than in his entire playing career, to, to the surprise of no one. Uh, yeah. You're welcome. 
You're welcome, Michael. Yeah, how many Jordans? Have, by the way, you're a, a shoe aficionado. As we wrap the show here, how many how many shoes have you? How many MJ Jordans? <laughs> yeah. What did I just say? That? How many MJ Jordans? How many, I sound like how a many dad. Michael Air, like a, how many a, Michael Air Jordan shoes? Hey. <laughs> I've got a few pair of Michael Air Jordan shoes. <laughs> what is wrong with me? All right. Well, uh, listen. Follow us on Twitter at Hive Talk Live as we uh, as we wrap the show. That'll do it for us. I want to read off a couple of these names, by the way. Bryce, thank you. Brandon, these are our first ten Twitter followers. Chad, thank you. Zachary, Tank, Mike, AJ, Josh, Kurt. He tweets the show all the time. Matthew, Stephen, Peter Haley. I don't think he counts. He actually contributes to the show every once in a while. Thank you guys uh, for being the first of a thousand. And we can't wait for the next thousand. Follow us on Twitter at Hive Talk Live, Facebook, and Instagram. Get the latest on Showtimes and Insider Hornets info. Hive Talk Live is a production of SB Nation and at thehive.com for previews, recaps, and more on your Charlotte Hornets. Make sure to visit at thehive.com. We're back again next Tuesday. We'll be previewing another team. We'll be talking much more about the Hornets as well. I'm Doug for David and social media, Katie, and all of the the Twitter followers. And, of course, our special guest. Follow him on Twitter at DCWLN. We'll see you next time, folks. Until then, let's swarm Charlotte. Cool, blaming on the music that he was listening to.